0: Let's pray and ask God to bless our time this morning. Father, we are so very thankful to you because you are awesome. You're good in every way. Everything you do is good. Everything you do is altogether beautiful. And we know that everything ugly, sinful, horrific, evil, and wicked is against you, contrary to you, opposed to you, and does not come from you. But you, O Lord, you as the sovereign one and the good one, restrain evil. If you let us go and if you let the wicked go, we know that they would go and destroy the earth. But you restrain them. And we're so thankful that you've given your gospel and you've poured out your spirit and so that we... People who hated you now come to love you and serve you. We praise you for your grace. We praise you for the gospel. We praise you for this morning. We praise you that we have this opportunity to seek you and to seek your word and to hear from you. I ask, O oh Lord, that even now that we would know you, our, the eyes of our understanding will be opened up, that we, O oh Lord, even right now would hear your word, would see you and know you and understand you, And be transformed because of it. I ask, Father, that we would truly see the supreme value of your name. For we ask this in Jesus, your beloved Son. Amen. Well, this morning I'm going to be doing a particular sermon and message addressing the issue that I believe is central to our understanding of God and Jesus. And the reason I say this is because I'm sure that you sometimes wonder, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that you sometimes wonder, why did Jesus need to die on the cross for our forgiveness? Why couldn't God just have said, I forgive you? I'm sure you've wondered that before. Ask that question. Was, it, was the death on the cross necessary? And why was it necessary? It seems like, doesn't that seem kind of extreme? That's really extreme for, in order to establish the forgiveness of sins. And, it's, and sometimes we're even guilty for thinking that. Sometimes we'll have things that we wonder and question. We wrestle with God and we have questions about him or things he's done. And, and sometimes we just keep them private because we don't even want to let anybody know that we actually think it. What would they think of me if I thought that? They would think that I think the cross of Christ is foolish or silly or unnecessary. We don't want anybody to think that we think that. And so we have, we have questions sometimes that we wonder about. Well, so this morning, I am going to attempt to show you the reason why we struggle with this. And here's, here's really what it's all about. The reason we struggle at times, or this can be even a question we have, is because we do not understand the supreme value of God. Because once we understand the supreme value of God, and then we understand what, what it means to sin against this God, the cross makes all the sense in the world. So in order for us to get there, We must first start with just trying to unpack and unload this idea of how valuable is God? What is his worth? In Psalm 63, verse 3, David cries out to God. He's in the wilderness crying out to God, and he says, Your loving kindness, your loving kindness is better than life. So what he's doing here is he's comparing God's loving kindness to life itself, his own existence. And he says, your loving kindness is better than life. Now, if we say, how much value does your life have? You would say probably a fair amount, fair amount of value. He says, his loving kindness is better than that life, than better than life. He, he knows what life is, he know, he's experiencing life. And he's also experienced the loving kindness of God, and he's putting them together in terms of value, and he says it's better than. His loving kindness is better than life itself. The Apostle Paul in in Colossians 1.16 says this in reference to Jesus. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created through him and for him. Notice that nothing was left out. Heaven and earth, you basically take it all. Everything was created by him and through him and to him and for him. What does that imply? He's above all things. He is the greatest above everything. Heaven and earth. He's above it all. So think of any, anything that you can think of that the mind can conceive in all of the cosmos. There he is above it all. Jeremiah 10.6 says, There is none like you. None. None like you. If we're to line up comparison, like with like, Thing with thing, greatness with greatness. Who is the greatest? Muhammad Ali used to think he was the greatest. Well, yeah, he was a great boxer. But take the greatest. Who thinks he's the greatest? And and if you tried to compare the greatest to God, he's like nothing. He would vanish in God's sight. He goes on to say in that Jeremiah six past ten six passage. That you are great. You are great and great is your name in might. First Chronicles 29.11 Yours, O oh Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in heaven and on the earth, yours is the dominion, O oh Lord. And you exalt yourself as head over all. So pile up all the riches. Pile up all the wealth. Pile up all the power. Pile it all up. And it pales in comparison to our God. Clearly, there is nothing of greater value than our God. Nothing. No matter what has been created, no matter what is in the cosmos, no matter what, if we are to compare it and say, what has greater value? Well, clearly, it's God. But to understand where I'm really going with this, we need to bring this home a little bit, just to understand value, the very nature of value. Think for a moment about what you value most in your life. And then contrast that to what you value the least, so I'm sure you don't put very much value on garbage. Right? That's why you throw it out. In fact, you want to get rid of it quickly often sometimes, especially if it's starting to stink. It's like, you want to get rid of that. Get it out of here. Now, compare that to, say, even the value that doesn't have a, has more value, but the value of the food in your fridge. Now, if someone went and threw out that food, you might be a little upset. Why? Because you value that much higher than the garbage. If someone went and threw out your trash, thank you. I can barely get my kids to do that. But thank you. So, why, And why was that? Why would you react that way? They have totally different values. You value the food in your fridge and your pantry much more than the, than the food that ended up in your garbage. Now how about your home or your car? What kind of value do you place on it? I would say probably a fair amount. And the more it's worth to you, the more you value it, the more precious it becomes. The, the harder it is to replace. The more upset you become if anything happens to it. The more it takes to actually replace it. And now, and now the people can value things so much that if anything happens to it at all, they become Crazy right because they put a lot of value in it don't just think about your spouse or your children think about family and friends how much value do you put on them and depending on your value depends how much you care about that those things being harmed or hurt or wrecked or damaged in any way. Everything in life has a degree of value. And the greater the value, the greater the anger with its disrespect. And the greater the pain with its loss. For example, if someone came by and took the life of your cat, some of you might rejoice. (laughs) because he doesn't place much value on it. But if you really value that cat, you would be—you could be traumatized. Now think of that in comparison to this. If someone came by and took the life of your child, you would be deathly traumatized. Why? Because the cat does not have the same value as your child. Your child to you has extremely high value and now even think of this think of not we're not even talking destroy or destruction we're just talking let's bring it down a notch but how it affects us how would you husbands how would you feel if someone maligned despised kicked around and spit on your wife hopefully you would be supremely angry and why is that? Because you value her. If you don't value that person, and maybe you dislike that person, or maybe let's just say you hated that person, you might rejoice to watch it. Because why? They, don't have, they see no value in that person. But someone that you love and you consider precious, the more precious and the more love, dishonor, malign, and disrespect them and what happens. We become very, very angry. And you know what? Hopefully we see value in humans and we see people and we see them as created in God's image. Your value and your worth doesn't come from anything that you do. It comes from the very fact that you were created in the image of God. The one of supreme value created you and he created you in your image. This is why Jesus will say things, you are of more value than than many sparrows. Because you, we should see even somebody in their death, when somebody is being wrongfully disrespected, that should anger us. And why? Because they have value, intrinsic value, in the fact that they're created in the image of God. And they're not being treated with respect. Now, an ant is not created in the image of God. An ant, God did not place on an ant the same value as a person. This is why when you walk down the street and you squash an ant, you don't have a funeral ceremony. You don't honor them because they, you know, they, they don't have a lot of value in this world. I'm sure there's people, I know there's people, got to be guaranteed, who, do, who probably, probably put them up with equal value as humans. This is kind of what we're seeing nowadays because there's a perversion. A dethroning of God and a throwing away of God, and now all of a sudden you're unable to discern between value of things. And now the people put just as much value on their dog as you put on your child. And we live in an area where that's true. And to say that is messed up is not even understood. Because they've dethroned God a while ago. He is nothing of no value. Throwing them out. But yet when we look at God, what is his value and worth? How would you compare it against yourself even, or anything else? Incomparable. His value and his worth is above all things. All things gathered together, all of it, does not compare to him in value. Therefore, if he is of infinite value, then the consequences for mistreatment against him would have to be infinite. And I'll show you why for a second here. Because now we have to see how sin relates to value. First of all, let's understand what is sin. So we're all talking the same thing. The Bible says in James 4.17 that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Romans 14 adds a slightly different angle when it says anything not done in faith is sin. Which basically means anything not done believing that you're supposed to do it is sin. So sin is anything you say, anything you think, or anything you do that is contrary to what God has determined should be. This is why at its core... At its core, every single sin that you know of, do you realize every sin, no matter what, is always against God. Because he's the one who established the standard. That's why David could say in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned, O Lord. He didn't mean that he didn't sin against Uriah. He didn't mean that he didn't sin against Bathsheba. He didn't mean that. But ultimately and fundamentally, if I'm talking about where sin is at its core all sin, it's a sin against you, O God. Fundamentally. And so when we understand sin this way, we can now bring, under, like, here's what sin is. Now look, at, now look at how we understand value and bring these together. Because when we do, we see that the greater the value of the thing we sinned against, the greater the sin. As we've already looked at, if someone were to kill your cat, maliciously kill your cat, it isn't the same as someone were to kill your child. This is why God says in Deuteronomy, things like this, when it pertains to the killing of an ox, for example, you must repay the ox. If you killed someone's ox, you must repay the ox. But if you murder a person and kill them, the person themselves must be put to death. God is showing showing them how justice works. It's based on value. A thing of equal value must be compensated for. You can't kill the cat if it's meaningful and give them a dollar and say, oh, you're sorry. It does not bring reconciliation. It does not bring restitution. It is it's not atoning. God shows us when he says this expression. Often we understand, what's the basis of justice? And God says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Do you know what he's getting at here? The principle, overall justice, is equal value for equal value. That's if you want to understand what would justice be, you have to understand value. And then you give equal value for equal value. And this is why, if we don't understand this, I, I think we, don't, we, can, we can see why so many Christians, and this is, becomes an expression, almost like a common saying, that Christians will often say, is that all sin is sin. It doesn't matter. One isn't worse than the other. And I don't believe that to be true for a second. And here's why. Because God has all kinds of different punishment in his law. If you go through Deuteronomy, if you go through Exodus, you will see that the sins of the people commit. It's not all one for one. It's tooth for tooth, it's eye for eye, and you'll see how justice works. There's everything from a simple fine to a requirement of being put to death, and all kinds of variants in between. John says, "John, sorry, John says in First John, five seventeen, all wrongdoing is sin, but there's sin that does not lead to death." What's he doing? He's discerning and realizing that yeah, not all sin is sin; it's not all the same. And it makes sense, it makes all the sense in the world when we understand value, because if we say all sin is sin, it doesn't matter, they're all equal, then we say, oh, the killing of the person's cat's the same as killing the child. We all, now, now we're just as goofed up and we can't discern. But here's also why it's much worse to sin against God than it is to sin against your neighbor. And here's where the only this expression works all sin is sin is in reference to God in a sense. When you sin against God, this one of supreme value, there's a sense of which yeah, that sin is sin, but even with that, God God is the one who he he judges and deciphers. That's why there's going to be a great day of judgment and he will and he says he'll judge men according to their works. But no one's getting off And we're going to see why in a second. And this is where we have to understand how death comes into the picture. Because when we see value and we see sin and what it is, we bring them together, we say, okay, so now the Bible says, God says to Adam, the moment you eat of it, you'll surely die. Romans 6.23 says "The for the wages of sin is death. We know our Bibles. And this is also why the wages for someone sinning against you, if we we're to look and understand it properly, is not death. If someone steals from you, God doesn't require from them the death penalty. What God is saying for the wages of sin is death. Adam, the Moab, Eve, this is death. And here's why: because death is the only thing to get even close to the consequence for what happened against God. That's why the consequence for sinning against the thing of most and supreme value has to be death. It's, it's the highest payment. You, the highest thing you have of value is your life. And so the thing of supreme value was sinned against. Now, if you try to compensate for the thing of supreme value, all you the most you have is your life. And it still falls short. And this is where you get into this idea of eternal death. A thing of infinite value would need something of infinite value to pay for it. That's why a person would die and die for infinity because no longer how long they're dead, it still never pays it. So, Let's put this in perspective once again. Try to bring it down to earth and help us to understand the concept here. Because I think once we do that, we can feel even in our spirit the true and the rightness of it. So if a person, again, was to take the life of your cat, and they wanted to reconcile with you, make restitution and atonement for it, they would have to give you what? Something of equal value. But then the Bible says you should add to it. Add to it for all the pain and the trauma cost. So the Bible says when you do that, you it goes up to five times. And why does he say up to five times? Sometimes you add it, you know, two times, three times, four times, and upwards of five times. So you take the thing of equal value and you repay it. Cat's life, cat's life. And depending on how much trauma and how serious and how malicious and how nasty and how wicked it was, you'd go up to five times in value and the judges would determine this and then you'd pay that. And by doing that, what happens is that you have now made an atonement. You've made reconciliation. That's restitution. There, it's been brought back and made even. You've replaced value with value and now the person, the person can really no longer hold it against you. It's been repaid. This is also why, if someone were to take the life of your child, what would be the payment for that? Their life. Life for life. The principle is this. The value of the thing determines how much is needed to pay for the sin and make restitution for it. What this means is that we have a, if we have a problem with death being the payment for sin against God, we are seriously, seriously undervaluing God. We are saying with that statement that I don't believe that God, sinning against God, the one of infinite and supreme value, is worthy of death. My life basically has more value than God's. And it's because this happens the way we think this because we do not understand God. And ultimately, we end up making light of him, of his value, and of his worth. However, when we understand who God is, and we understand what sin is, and why eternal death is necessary for sinning against him, it begins to start to make perfect sense now when we start to look at Jesus' death. So the question is this, right? Why did Jesus have to pay for sin? Why did Jesus have to go to the cross? It should almost be obvious at this point. Because there's no other person, no other thing, in all of heaven, in all of earth, that could pay the price of sinning against the one of infinite value. The only person that has enough value to compensate for sinning against the most valuable being in the universe is who? God's own son. The father knows that the blood of his son is of infinite value. There's nothing greater there's nothing greater in all the universe. There is not one thing greater. We know Colossians 1.16, Jesus is above all. Jesus is the Son of God, and by Him, through Him, and to Him, all things were made. God, the Father, loves His Son, and looks upon His Son, and there's nothing in all that is created. Nothing in all the cosmos and universe. Nothing that is of greater value than Jesus. The most ultimate. So if we see anything other than the blood of Jesus as being able to compensate for sin against God we don't understand the value and the worth of God and yet so many people think of issues about right and wrong only in terms of one person sinning against another and almost never bring sin against God into the picture and let me give you an example of how this is working today today We live in a culture that is struggling with the issue of homosexuality. Because it's full-on, full-court press. It's bombarding us all the time. And the whole issue right now, it's in the church, and it's a live issue, is whether or not homosexuality is a sin. And I have actually talked to Christians who are confused by it, because if no one's hurt in the process and it's mutually consenting, and this is what their desire is, then how could it be sin? Well, that's, we can understand how it's sin, and we know how it's sin, when we understand the value of God. And that it's against his design, it's against his purpose, and it's against his command. That right there should be enough because once we see that it's a sin against the one who's of infinite value, we clearly see that this is a sin worthy of eternal death. Just like all sins against the one, even the even Adam and Eve. You know, if you eat of this fruit, well, that's pretty low level. You're gonna die for eating of the fruit. Yeah, disobedience, rebellion against the one of infinite awesome value. So here's the question. Here's something we have to stand up on, understand. Why is God not brought into the, the discussion? Why is it only matter that between, you know, if someone harms another person, you listen to the argument, right? Harms and hurts another person. And because if they, they don't harm or hurt each other, how could this be wrong or sin? Why would God call it sin? Hello, let's bring him into the equation. This is, this is Why? It's a sin against our God. You didn't sin against me. You know, someone asked me personally, like, what's that sin doing to me? Not much to me. But I'll tell you what, when you understand God and his infinite value and what it means to sin against him and that the only, the only option is to the, the death of your life and your death of your life forever because it's the only thing that, it's everything, it's the thing you have most value and it's the only thing that can even, even put a dent in it. but you know what's good about this? You know what's good about thinking this? You know what's good about understanding that? If a person can really, wow, begin to see who God is, who he is in his glory and who he is in his goodness and who he is in his power and who he is in his might and who he is in his grandeur and who he is as as the God of heaven and earth and the one of infinite value, you begin to see that, your knees begin to tremble as you look at yourself and you look what you've done against him. Look at the things that you've said. Look at the things that you've done. Look at the things that you've thought against him. Now, if you, you consider it a violent, wicked crime to sin against your, someone to sin against your person or someone to sin against your child, to take the life of your child, you would go nuts because of how you value that child. Yet, people sin against God all the time. No biggie. But here's what happens. This is, this is where God's goodness begins to explode. The glories of the gospel. Because when we start to get and understand his value, we start to get and understand our sin. It's like, and that starts to make us tremble. It says that God says, watch this. Now, this will manifest the glory of God. Manifest the glory of Jesus and everything he's done on the cross. Because if we who have sinned against him so grievously are not only... Not only are we preserved, not only are we tolerated throughout life, but we're blessed. You just go, look, our Father is pleased, and it's fine with Him to bless both the righteous and the unrighteous, to give them good gifts. Sometimes it's like He gives them more gifts than He gives me, because He's treating me like a son whom He loves. But when you look at it and you realize, man, God, look at that sin is so... Nasty, yet he pours out goodness on them. Beyond that, beyond that, he sends his only begotten son to pay for your sin. That is a love past finding out. Just think of it this way. It wouldn't even be like someone killing your whole family and then giving you, and then you giving your only child left for them, to save them, to provide for them. Because in that scenario, if you were to think of that, you think, who would ever do that? Right? In that scenario, you're not giving, the value difference does not even compare to what we're talking about God. So who would do that? What kind of love is that? We who are deserving an infinite death for going against something, the one of infinite value, sends his only son of infinite value. Says He is going to pay for their sins. He is going to atone for their sins. He is going to bring reconciliation for their sins. Now here's something we also do. Now we devalue the death of Jesus. Because sometimes we think of our sin as too much, too high. Could God really forgive me? Are you kidding me? Now you're taking the value, okay, yes, the sin was of infinite value, but you're taking now his beloved son, has more value than anything in all that's created, to pay, and he shed his blood to pay the debt for that sin. He overpaid your account. He overpaid. Because there's nothing greater. So when God looks upon the blood of his son, the sacrifice of his son, the one of infinite value and infinite love, and he could not think for a moment bringing judgment on him for that sin, the payment for that sin, and then turn around and somehow at you or anybody and say, well, I'm not so sure. Are you kidding me? jesus paid he paid the price the infinite price and his blood forever speaks before the throne of god the father looks about it we come to the table each week and this is what the father sees the sacrifice of his son his beloved son of infinite value and it more than pays The sacrifice pays for the most heinous of sins committed against God. And if we don't think so, we don't think much of Jesus. Do you realize that from top to bottom, no matter what you've done, no matter how you've sinned against God, thought, word, or deed, when you think of that, it should, we should see this massive, massive burden and debt. Huge. Something that even our own lives, given for eternity, couldn't pay for. Huge debt. And then we should look and turn to Jesus and see what he's done. And go, oh my God. What love is this? That he who knew no sin, would become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. That we who sinned against the supreme God, the one of infinite value, are now reconciled, restored, our sins are atoned for. And now God looks at us and says, righteous, holy, debt paid for in full, there's nothing you owe me. You owe me nothing. Come into my presence. Come into my house. And I love you. I couldn't do anything else but love you. Because of what my son did for you. That's good news. And I hope this morning that God is gracious to us and we can... This is something, I don't care how long you meditate on this. You're never going to come plumb the full depths of the glorious value and supreme value of God. You're never going to come to the full depth of understanding the nature of your sin. And you're never going to come to the full depths of the love of God expressed in Jesus. can't do it. But I tell you, it is marvelous and awesome to meditate on. To delight in and to ponder and to even ask God continually, Oh God, help me to see you. Your life would be transformed if you saw God and you saw who he is and his, his supreme value and his love and his son Paul, that's why Paul knows, oh, that you might know, that you might know the heights and the depths and the breadth and the width of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Because if you knew that, you'd be filled with the fullness of God. Your life would be transformed. Amen. Father, we're so thankful that you are the supreme and awesome and holy one. Your value is infinite. You are above all things. You created all things. And in you all things consist. There's nothing greater than you. And oh Lord, I just pray and I pray for these people and I pray for myself. I pray for all of us. Just help us to understand and to know you. To know how awesome you are. To know how glorious you are. To know how profound you are. To know how good you are. Oh, that we might see it. And, oh, Lord, that we might see Jesus and how amazing he is and that we might know the depths and the breadth and the width and the height of his love. Help us, O oh, Lord. Open our eyes, our, our minds, and that we might see, that we could see you. And I know that we know that when we do, nothing remains the same. Please, O oh, Lord, please, if we ask anything, if we could have anything, it's just to know you, just to know you. We ask this we ask this in your beloved son's name Jesus amen